Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's edition of the Chapter by Chapter podcast for Children of Dune. I am your host, Will. Children of Dune. I am Steve. Diving into Chapter Eight today. Uh, I don't. I don't have anything to kind of like preamble. Look, I was just telling Will before we started recording. I'm not okay, listeners, and that's fine. You know, it's like sometimes like we all have ups and downs. No, it's a real thing, right? It's like all of our mental health. It's all over the place. It's like Mm -hmm. a lot of us are not okay, right? I mean, it's fine to say that. I'm saying it. And now we're going to talk about Dune. Okay? Because <laughs> because really, when your mental health is all over the place, Dune is a great place to go, right? This is That's true. That is true. Un- until it's not. But but it is to start. And you spice yourself up. So, so, so let me say, without further ado, spice me up, Willie. All right. Well, you got to spice this up. <laughs> Because it's a chapter introduction we got to dive into here. Okay. Okay, okay. We got a chapter introduction. This is, I believe, from the Orange Catholic Bible. The best color of Bibles, let me tell you. And I behold another beast coming up out of the sand. And he had two horns like a lamb. But his mouth was fanged and fiery as a dragon. And his body shimmered and burned with great heat. While it did hiss. Like the serpent. As I said, that is Revised Orange Catholic Bible. I'm more of a purist of the original version. The Revised Version changes a lot of things. <laughs> like adding horns to a lamb. Lambs don't have horns! They haven't grown them yet, Will. Dragons have horns, though. They said two horns like a lamb, and the mouth is fanged and fiery as the dragon. And his body shimmered and burned like a serpent. Yeah, this is confusing me. I keep thinking about it, and then I, I lose interest as soon as I, as soon as I start thinking about it. What is this even talking about? A sand beast with lamb horns? I think it's uh, and a fang, I d- I fiery don't know. mouth, and shimmer, shimmering. You know what? How much you want to bet that this is not actually like a beast at all? This is like a, a description of like a place, like Jakarutu. Huh? Jackarutu! Well, considering you've read the book, I feel like you're probably spot on, William. I know. You say you say that a couple of times, but we like everybody knows my memory is terrible. I introduced this series calling the preacher the stranger. And you have a tattoo. You have a Dune tattoo. You should know I do? these things. You have a Dune podcast. I don't subscribe to that I, I, ideology. You can get a tattoo of whatever you want, even if you don't know what it is. Totally. Well, to an extent. <laughs> I think to an extent. I think once you start getting actual things that have meaning attached to them, you know, like you can get a horse making popcorn, right? Wearing sure. a pork pie hat tattooed yeah. on you. And that doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. You but got a swastika that tattooed, right? means a lot of things, Will. That's true. Well, I'm not going that far. But acor- well, according to you, according to you. Doesn't matter if it's a if it's uh, Timothy Chalet's face or Adolf Hitler's. <laughs> Chapter eight, Children of Dune. Let's get into it. I don't go into those absolutes. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Only Chapter a Sith eight deals with absolutes, Steve. Only a shit. Only a shit. Chapter eight, Steve. I. I wonder here because technically speaking, you have the preacher slash the stranger on your team here. I know, I know. I was happy to see him in play. I was happy to see him come in. 
And immediately I, they're like, no one knows who he is. People think that he's Paul. It's crazy. It's like he's that. He definitely is. <laughs> it's crazy how quickly like everybody like Frank Herbert isn't even trying to hide it. And I don't know if that's his intent to hide it at all. If he if he meant to put it front and center and wants us to realize that. Yeah. Hmm. Because it's all just like rumors and blah, 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 blah. But like, come on. If everybody's saying like if everybody's calling a horse a horse, it's a horse. It, it's definitely a horse. And it may or may not be making popcorn <laughs> with a pork pie hat. So the other thing interesting here is I was going over our, our list of rules here. And because this is uh this is this is all preacher focused. Uh, I don't think you get any points from here. Yeah, I don't think so either. Not a lot happened. Um, in ter- he just sort of was yelling at people. As you do when you're an old blind man coming from the desert. Now, how old would Paul be at this point? Uh, 32. Wow. <laughs> it's a young man. By my standards. I, I, I wish I was joking. I think I'm pretty... Because in Dune, he's 15. And Dune Messiah is 11 years after... Uh, the events of Dune, like the ten or eleven ish years, maybe even less than that. And well, then the kids, the- he has the new kids, and it's only six or seven years. Let's say, let's round that up to ten years, another ten years. So on, ten. on the far end, he's probably like thirty five years old. Yeah, younger, What's younger up? than most of us. Yeah. And well, to, you know, it's like you got to wonder what that Arrakis heat really does to does to a person. How it ages real you. Because right? we've seen, you know, in Star Wars on Tatooine, like I think it's, it's like twelve years in the desert will turn you from from Ewan McGregor into Alec Guinness. Oh, you know? it's brutal. Well, think of uh, Uncle Owen ba- and Baru. Oh, don't even get me started. Within within minutes of screen time, they go from old people to skeletons, burnt crisps, yeah. all because of burnt the desert. Crisps. You know the actress who played young Baru joined that sex cult, the Nexium one, with the Smallville girl? Good for her. No! Wait. No, no, no! <laughs> Is that not a good thing? It's really bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really bad. Oh, yeah. I heard a little bit about it. I'm not, I'm not going into it. That, you, we can save that for our other podcast, Aunt Baru joins <laughs> Nexium. Exposing Nexium. I know. Exposing I know. Baru. They've been exposed. And I know that the actress who played young Amberu, she's in the documentary she came forth and has spoken already this is a new look this is a new angle entirely star wars focused a little bit of smallville <laughs> a little bit just a touch big fan of smallville actually i watched the first four seasons of smallville and let me tell you not good no 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 and that's not why i'm a fan of it it's because it's not good is why somebody I'm a fan save it. me you know what my favorite episode is it has nothing. To, it has nothing to do with really like Superman stuff at all. But they there's like a spider guy who like pukes web out and he like webs people up with his spider vomit. Are you sure, this wasn't some weird X-rated version of Spider-Man a, you were watching. It might have been, but I guarantee you, it's a Smallville episode. It's like etched into my mind. I saw it as I saw it at a very important age. Eight chapter eight. <laughs> Chapter eight. Uh, so yeah, I don't think uh, Steve, you get any points from this chapter, but there are a lot of cool, not a lot, but there are there are a couple of things that comes along with the the preacher coming into town. Um, yeah, there's some fun things. One thing that I think is really fun is that he has a little assistant boy, Asin Tariq. As and Tariq. 
So how do you like, how do you find yourself, you know, hooked up with the preacher and he must know who this guy is. Well, honestly, I think it's the same way that Dick Cheney got hooked up with George W. Bush. Hey, there's a little, uh, 2000, uh, United States of America politics for everyone. A little humor. Condoleezza Rice. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but um, hey! Al Gore. That's the extent of my American politics knowledge. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, I wonder what the pitch was. Or maybe SN Tariq doesn't know who he is because maybe it's been too long and he's a 14-year-old kid. I bet you it's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you unless you make me some tacos right now. I want tacos. And then he's like, yes, Muadib. I mean, preacher, man. Mm. I don't know. It's tacos. It's taco night. Mm. Old El Paso. Oh, well, it's old El- if it's Old El Paso, then that, that, that drags. <laughs> Can you imagine? SN Tariq knows every Tuesday that the preacher needs his Old El Paso. And if he doesn't get it, there will be a public beheading. I, I, I forgot about this entirely. Uh, I forgot that he had a little assistant assistant man. And I don't know if he continues on for the rest of the book. He, he, he might seems just pretty be, forgettable. He seems pretty forgettable. It could be it could be just some kid he ran into on the street and he's like, You're helping me, you're guiding me through the street. We don't we just don't know. It could be like a, 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 a like a, a youth employment program. It, it could mm. be a number of things. And and Big Brother, little brother. That's it. It could be like we just don't we just don't know the specifics because like Asan seems like he's having a pretty all right time. Seems like he's having fun. He doesn't seem like he's being forced into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to move on and talk about the crowd that uh, Muadib as or not Muadib uh, the preacher. Well, but even still, it's like they seem to know that it's Muadib, and there's like they're selling like Muadib merch. Yeah, they're like, come get your, <laughs> come get your t-shirt. Get your we got beer koozies. We got a patch. We got a tote bag. Right? Oh, what? Sorry, how much is tote bag? Forty-five. Yeah, it's forty-five dollars. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the hoodie? That is two hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah. Do you think they have Muadib Khan? They definitely. After this, seeing this, absolutely Muadib Khan exists. Yeah. Because uh, we're littered with Muadib merch, and you know they're always sold out of mediums, right? Now, all, the like time, you, no, all the time. It's nuts. All the nuts. time. And it's like normally in like in our reality, we would be stuck with like the, the extra large, right? But yeah. these sizes go all the way up to worm. Okay. And at the end, all you're stuck with is worm sizes. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I haven't been able to fit into a worm, worm size for about 15 years and I'm not going back. If, you, if you're lucky, you get a Baron Harkonnen size. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's that's it, all, oddly enough, it, it only goes like it goes small to double XL, then it goes uh, well, with no small to triple XL, then we got Baron Harkonnen, and then Worm. It just jumps all the way. It jumps, and that think of the think of the size of the Worm shirt. Think about it; it's miles long. But but I'll tell I, you what I've never seen a Worm who doesn't represent. But we all they know <laughs> where their loyalty lies. They know where to put their respect, and they like to show their fandom. It's it's important too in terms of the con experience because you need a t-shirt tower to to orient you where you are in the building, where you are yeah, in the this con. This is instead it's like it's like twenty to forty depending on how many worms show up. Different moving t-shirt towers. Yes. <laughs> I want to talk about the thing that they're chanting when they start chanting. I have the chant. Yeah. When, because there's all chaga. this going on, right? Ooga, there's all these ooga, people. Ooga, ooga, I can't help this feeling. Yeah. Deep in Muadib. Oh! This is the most sing songiest season of this show. <laughs> it's just going to get worse, man. Wait till the end. Trying to move into a... a Broadway career. 
I think I think we should start doing uh, more sing songy. We're both music, both musicians. We should gotta be cutting cutting some tracks here. Muradib, <laughs> Muradib, greet my souls and treaty. You are who are God's anointed? Greet my soul, Muradib, <laughs> Muradib. Now that's what they're chanting. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna give you a point because I'm gonna count. I'm gonna count that as a sand shanty. Nice. And it is. Though, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I, I. I. Even though I don't think, I we're bending the rules a little bit, but I feel bad that we get this grand introduction of the preacher who's on your team, team preacher all the way, uh, and you're not getting any points. We're bending it like Beckham today. So yeah, I'll give you. I give you the point on that one. Uh, congratulations, Steve. You're at. We're tied now. Thanks. <laughs> This is a very even score counter so far. It's like watching a bunch of marbles race down a thing. You know when they do those marble races? Yeah. 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 You know, everyone knows what I'm talking about, right? Everyone watches marbles race, right? I don't know. One way or another. (laughs) Did you catch a pay-per-view? They called it Fastlane. Oh, were you going anywhere else with the marbles? Or that's that's pretty much where. It, where you no, that's to. all it was. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, they're chanting uh, Muadib. So, like, yeah, they're singing songs. They're busting things out, and they're selling merch T-shirts and and. But the other thing is, is that they don't seem too surprised about it. You know, like. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Is like, is this whole Muadib thing going on? Like, this just goes on, right? This has nothing to do with the preacher being there. Yeah. This is just like how things are. Yeah, it's just, it's... it's. If you go downtown, you'll find a number. You'll find a bunch of bootleg Muad'Dib stuff. Well, what I'm talking about is, like, the effect that the preacher has on this crowd and with them believing that it's Muad'Dib, you think there'd be much more of a religious fervor going on. Like, you think people would just be passing out in the streets. It'd be like Beatlemania, Timothy yeah, Mania. Yeah, but they, I think it is starting... I think that, like, especially with the chants and some people who are reciting all the stuff, it's that, yeah. like some people are all in. Some people, I think, are still a little hesitant. Don't know. I don't know what's really going on. Right. 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 Wait till you. I just came out here to get a slice of pizza. I was going down to Jimmy's. Yeah. You ever tried Jimmy's it's a, pizza? It's a yell at you guys. He's like, "You're all, you're all idiots." I think that's pretty much the es- essence of what the preacher is saying to everybody. He's just, "You guys don't believe in Muad'Dib. Look at all this nonsense. You guys are all dickheads." Yeah, so this is like, I guess, what? So Paul has Paul done a whole like faked his death, and now he's trying to like be someone else. Who, and he's like, don't like, no, enough with the Muad'Dib. Let's forget about him. Yeah, he's trying to like topple the idea of what Muad'Dib represents in a way, because ultimately, like, it's bad for the world. It's bad, bad for the universe. Think of, think of all the people he's killed. Think of the, think of the symbolic nature of Muad'Dib and the effect it it has had on the Dune universe at large. Billions, probably trillions of people have been massacred all in the name of Muad'Dib. And he's still sees into the future and knows other things that are coming, other fates, potential fates. Potentially. Right? Potentially. Mm. So, but the, the thing about the future is that it's always changing. So you can always kind of see where it might be going. Just like real life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching a Twitter feed. Mm, X. <laughs> so, I, I, 
I'm not sure if it if the crowd is really bought into the fact that this is Muad'Dib. I feel like there should be a little bit more craziness going on. But to be that being said, they are singing. There is like a dancer. There are there's some mm-hmm. like spins being thrown around. Uh, yeah. To me, I feel like if if it was guaranteed, hey, Muad'Dib's back. I feel like a Cirque du Soleil event would have been released. We'd have worms on trapezes running around. Beyonce, stand, Beyonce, elephant standing on top of Beyonce. Elephant stop standing on top of Beyonce on top of a worm. Jason Momoa is going to be there because he just My likes a party. Man. He'll come on out. He'll come on out. Not a lot of uh, Duncan in this series in this book so far. We got like a small glimpse of him hanging around Aaliyah. He's just kind of like a glorified bodyguard at this point. I mean, aside from the kids, we haven't really been around anyone too much. We've been moving around. We move it, moving around a lot. And you know, to bring up the bring up the idea about. The fact that it seems like Frank Herbert, he's trying to keep the Muad'Dib thing under wraps, but it seems like every character knows that this preacher character is Muad'Dib. Every time the preacher is even mentioned, a character has an aside that they're like, that's Muad'Dib. That's Paul. It's That's definitely not Muad'Dib. And then yeah, I, don't, I, I feel like you probably are correct in saying that, that uh, Frankie wanted us to, to know this and, and figure it out. But it's, I don't know. It's hard to say without seeing where, where it goes and what the point of it is. Aside well, from him just trying to be someone else and discourage the belief of Muad'Dib. So my theory when it comes to this is because Frank Herbert, it's clear when he's writing these books, he's operating on a completely different level of existence than you and I are operating. Well, you probably operate on, but a more different than what I operate on. So That's I <laughs> So I wonder if he's he's writing the book and structuring the book as this prescient being almost where the past present and future are all kind of the same and it's just it's just like regurgitating it onto paper yeah that's heavy stuff because it doesn't read like a normal novel like the structure of these books are not normal dune is probably the most normal book it's like out of all once when you start getting into this time stuff and you have characters who can see the past and future and everything, and it's like, it's tough to end that. I just finished a series and and it ended like that. And let me tell you, people aren't happy about it. But I don't know where you really go with a character that can see all the past and all the future and everything. It's like it eventually ends with them just like dying for some dumb reason to end everything it's true uh that is true that being said i i'm talking about frankie frankie h himself i think he is operating on like a past present future he like when he's writing these books i mean that's how he died yeah he saw he saw too much of the future (laughs) yeah he went to mars and killed himself while he was building watches yeah so maybe that's like maybe i'm just thinking too too out there but the way that Frankie H is writing these books, it doesn't operate like a normal, normally structured narrative. It it feels like he's telling us information we shouldn't know yet, and he's regurgitating information we already know at places where it doesn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with the introductions, too. And I don't know what's going on in the yeah, introductions and, half the yeah, time the, in this book. And the introductions are jumping time all the all the all the time. So like Dune, for example, like all the introductions make no sense until you reach the end of the book and you realize, oh, all these introductions are like 
commentaries or the most of them are all commentaries of things that have already happened. And technically speaking, when you read them again, it spoils the book for you. I mean, I guess, yeah. Once you, once you know, and you understand what you're reading. Yeah. So does that make huh. Frankie H a good writer? Or well, I think it, it does, because I think at that point, when you're looking back at it, 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 it takes a different shape and a different form and a different, different appreciation. It's not spoiling right. things on the way on the first read through. And that is strategically and, and, and masterfully done. I think it's definitely on purpose. You can't, you can't do that on by accident. You have to have a mind for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you did by accident, there would be, you'd slip up every now and then. Yeah. And I don't even know like who his editor would be. Cause can, can you imagine being his editor? Who's like probably classically trained in narrative architecture yeah, in the sixties and seventies, and then you get this manuscript from this dude that's like, "Look, man, I was hanging out in Oregon, and they had sand there, and this is what I pumped out." Look, we're <laughs> making assumptions. <laughs> Just seems like seems like a lot well, to take in, but that's it. That's all I have to cover today. Yeah. Okay. All right. That that is it for chapter eight. Hope you all can snag yourself some sweet Muad'Dib merch. Get yourself a tote bag. Head down to booth E10. Free tote bags. Honestly, I'm a big fan of the, of the Zippo lighter. It's pretty cool. You know, it says Muad'Dib on it. Yeah, it's yep. 65 bucks, but it's like a Zippo lighter will last you a long time. You know, I'm a fan of the flasks. It's not a lighter. It's a Zippo. Thank you for listening. Check us out on all the dumb internet things. Type in chapter by chapter podcast and you'll find a bunch of accounts that haven't posted anything in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with chapter nine. Children of Dune. This episode of the podcast are brought to you by the good folks over on our Patreon, our Gouda Grandmasters themselves, Big Cheese Daddy, Nick Korn, and Hilder. Thank you guys so much for everything you do to support the show. If you, listener, are a fan of what we do, head over to the Patreon. The link is there in the description. Pick a tier and then get 
a bonus weekly podcast, sometimes two bonus weekly podcasts, where Steve and I just kind of like do whatever we want. You want to hear us talk about True Detective? You got it. Mistborn? You got it. So, so click that link in the description and join our Patreon and become a Guna Grandmaster yourself.